listening to Law and Gospel on this March the 27th, Monday in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And guess what? We're getting ready to start Holy Week this coming Sunday, April the 2nd. It's called Palm Sunday or Sunday of the Passion. Now, it's very interesting that the assigned readings for this particular year for Palm Sunday does not talk about Jesus entering into Jerusalem with palm branches being put in his place. Instead, it's from Matthew 26 and actually takes us right to the cross. And we're going to be looking at that. The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 50, and the epistle is from Philippians chapter 2. Now, the Old Testament reading also talks about the cross, about Jesus and the suffering that he endured. The epistle is that tremendous passage where Jesus humbled himself by becoming a human being and did not count equality with God, therefore, a thing to be grasped, because he was God. But we're going to take a look a little bit at Matthew 26, verse 1, to chapter 27, verse 66. So, it begins in verse 38, chapter 27. Then two robbers were crucified with him on the right and on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Now, does that sound similar to another temptation that Jesus had. Remember, after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, and the devil tempted him. If you are, that was the temptation, then make these stones into bread. And each of the temptations was a kind of an if statement, and that's what the people who hated Jesus at the cross, were saying. Because they're under the impression that he said he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Now, it had taken Herod many years to upgrade the temple. So they had totally misunderstood what Jesus meant. His destruction of the temple meant that no longer would the temple be the source of finding God? Because God would leave the temple. And that's going to be occurring in this passage. We'll get to it soon. So, they're making fun of him. Come down from the cross. It says in verse 41, So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. 
Now, that's very interesting, because what they're asking for is a sign from Jesus that he definitely is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. They're always looking for signs, and they have had so many of them. I mean, raising Lazarus from the dead was the last straw for these unbelieving chief priests and Pharisees because they thought that, yes, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but that was a trick of Beelzebub, the devil. And so they thought he was working with the devil, which makes no sense at all. In fact, I saw a very interesting tidbit about lambs. They were talking to one another. It's a kind of a comic thing. And the one lamb says, so he's going to be killed by the Jews and put on a cross. And the other lamb says, yes, that is what he said. And then he will rise from the dead. And the other lamb said, well, you mean he raised Lazarus from the dead? And these unbelieving Jews don't think that he himself will be raised from the dead? Yeah, I found that very interesting, that when you stop and think about it, they believed he raised Lazarus from the dead, but they didn't believe when he said he would rise from the dead. And that comes also in this text in another context. At any rate, they say, verse 43, he trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. So even the unbelieving priests knew the message of Jesus Christ. They knew it better than the disciples knew it. The, the disciples, remember, were on that boat, and there was big waves and a big storm in the middle of the sea. Jesus stood up and calmed everything. And what was the response of the disciples? Oh, he must be the Son of God. No, they didn't say that. They said and said, they said instead, who is this man? They, they still didn't understand. In fact, it wasn't until Thomas said, my Lord and my God, that was the first time the disciple is said to have referred to him as God. Verse 44 is interesting in Matthew 27. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, in this context, in this passage, we don't have the saying of Jesus to one of the robbers who later on, on the cross, came to believe in him as the promised Messiah, the Son of God. Remember, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's not in this text. You have to kind of go through Mark, Luke, and John to get all the sayings of Jesus. Matthew 
is trying to show the level of his suffering that he endured because Jesus is the new Israel. He had gone into the wilderness. He had been tempted by the devil, but he resisted all temptations and he resisted the sufferings. Those sufferings are spoken of in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 50, where he says in verse 6, I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I did not hide my face from disgrace and spitting. So you gotta go to Isaiah chapter fifty to see that Jesus indeed had a beard because they were pulling it out. You know how painful that can be. He was being spit in the face, and that occurred of course under Pontius Pilate when he was also whipped and prepared for the crucifixion. Well, returning to Matthew twenty six Verse 45 says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Now, that is the Jewish time that the hour of the day began at sunrise. And the sixth hour, therefore, would be noon. A number of churches have what they refer to as a tra or service. That means three hours. It begins at noon. And usually there are seven parts to the service, each lasting 25 minutes to make up the three hours. Each one of them is a word from the cross. It's spoken of. A pastor may explain it. There's a hymn sung about that word. Sometimes the choir will sing, and then the next word is brought. So it's a three-hour service, treor, and it is about Jesus' words from the cross taken from all four Gospels. Well, about the ninth hour, that would be 3 p.m., And that's a very important hour on that day of the Passover because that's when the sheep are being sacrificed for the worship service. At any rate, Jesus calls out, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. Now that's Aramaic for, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the word forsaken in the Aramaic is to leave me alone. In other words, what Jesus is aware of, he is all alone at the cross. An angel had come to comfort him in the Garden of Gethsemane that God sent, but God sent no one to comfort him on the cross. He is forsaken. That is critical because he is experiencing being forsaken by God so 
you as a believer will never be forsaken by God. There appear to be times in our lives where God, we think, is missing. Where is he? Why is he allowing this to happen? But he has a good reason. That's what a woman showed me yesterday. We were doing adult instruction, and she had a kind of a locket around her neck. And she showed me that when she opened it up, it had the Bible verse, Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those that love God. She wears it all the time. So that's what Jesus is talking about, that he is forsaken, but you will never be forsaken. Now, when he called out Eli, Eli, some of the bystanders in verse 47 said, this man is calling Elijah, because, well, Eli, Eli, in the Aramaic, is my God, my God. The word for God is L, E-L, and I is my, it's my God. And perhaps some misunderstood what he was saying, thinking he was calling on Elijah, because the Old Testament says that Elijah will return before the Messiah is put to death. So they say, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. But then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. That is a critical statement. Now, the actual words are not found in Matthew. You have to go elsewhere where Jesus says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now, what's he talking about? Well, Jesus at this time, as he is now, is a human being. How do human beings die? They die in the flesh, but their spirit continues to live. It never dies. Remember what Jesus said to Martha when he came to raise Lazarus from the dead, he who believes in me will never die. That means the spirit lives on, is taken by the angels at the moment of your physical death, where your body may be placed in the ground, but your spirit is taken to be with Jesus in heaven. So during this interim time, between your death and judgment day, you are still alive in the spirit and your body will be restored to it on the day of judgment. Now, Matthew says some things that are not found in the other gospels. For example, verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, I, I hear a lot of preachers talk about that, that now that the temple curtain, and that's the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. Only the high priest, 
was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, where he was sacrificing for the people. And some pastors will say, well, look, this means that we are now able to enter into the Holy of Holies. So in churches, the altar, which is up into the Holy of Holies part of the church, that people can approach that and receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's how they interpret that the temple curtain was torn. But that is not correct. That the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom does not mean that we are able to enter that Holy of Holies, but that God left the Holy of Holies. He had done that during the Babylonian captivity when the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. And it says that the Spirit of God went up on the mountain. So this is very important that until Israel returned to Jerusalem, there was no spirit in the Holy of Holies because it had been destroyed. It also says the earth shook, the rocks were split. That's an earthquake. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tomb after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So that is something that is found in Matthew, not in the other Gospels. And it isn't mentioned elsewhere in the Bible, except for the fact that at the resurrection of Jesus, there's no doubt that we also will rise from the dead. And we have risen in our baptism. Now, when the centurion, and this is important, the next part, and those who were with him. Now, who is the centurion? Well, the Roman army was divided into segments. And one of the segments was over controlled by a centurion. There were a hundred men in it, one centurion. And he had been asked to crucify Jesus. The Romans were very good at crucifying people without breaking bones, nails into the wrists, into the feet. And that's how they were affixed to the cross. Well, when this centurion saw this, It said, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. But it wasn't over the centurion who said that. It was the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. And they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, to refer to Jesus as the Son of God could mean 
that the centurion and those who agreed with him would have been put to death because the emperor of Rome was considered to be the son of God. That was a title used for the emperor, not for a human being who died on the cross. And how did the centurion and others come to that realization? Because of the Holy Spirit that was within him. They were saved, and they became a saint. Verse 55, there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee. Those are the ones who are spreading palm leaves on Palm Sunday, the week before, following him from Galilee, ministering to him. And they were named Mary Magdalene, mother Mary of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee, his disciples. This text also tells us how Jesus was uh, buried. There came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. That's why we refer to him as Joseph of Arimathea, who also was a disciple of Jesus. Now, we know that he, in another passage, went with Nicodemus, who was a disciple of Jesus. Both of them were members of the Supreme Court of Judaism, but they believed in Jesus. They went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And in Matthew, Pilate ordered it to be given to them. Now, that's interesting, because Pilate himself said he's not dead already. He had only been on the cross for nine hours, or six hours, from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. And usually a man would be on the cross for two or three days, if not more, before he died. But Jesus died because he had given up the spirit and had paid the price of your sins. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. And it is told that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. So they saw that. Now, nothing is mentioned about them going three days to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. They had waited that because they wanted to anoint the body, and they prepared for that. And remember on the way, they said, who's going to roll the stone away? And they were unaware of what happened next in Matthew. This is only in Matthew. Next day, that is after the day of preparation, that's Saturday, the chief priests and the Pharisees, who were unbelievers, gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. 
this is really quite amazing, that they knew that Jesus had said he would rise from the dead. The disciples, they had not remembered that or had ignored that. And the women who came on Sunday were not there to celebrate his resurrection. They were there to anoint a dead body. They themselves did not believe what he said. But the Pharisees remembered. Therefore, they asked Pilate, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go to the tomb while no one is there, roll away the stones, steal him, and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And they said to Pilate, that last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. And that's what was going to have to be overcome by the women. But it was not overcome, because when they arrived there, the stone had been rolled away by the angel. That's in another passage. And, of course, the guards were so afraid that they appeared like dead men, and they left the tomb. So that's the teaching on Matthew. has a lot of stuff in it that is found not in the other readings. But it gives us a glimpse of the level of suffering that Jesus went through, the cruel ridiculum, ridiculousness of what people were doing as they struck him, pulled out his beard, spit in his face, and said, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross, and then we will believe you. No, being an unbeliever, no sign would have been given to them. But to you, as a believer, you have the sign of the cross and his resurrection, knowing that God will never forsake you, and you soon will join with Jesus in your body and spirit after Judgment Day in heaven. What a wonderful teaching for this Palm Sunday. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.